transition uh, brings us to chapter 5 in 1 Peter. We have uh, spent one weekend already just uh, talking about uh, this uh, chapter and uh, verses 1 through 4. I'd like to read these again, and uh, with this, then, we're going to spend a week of a little bit more kind of application than exposition. Beginning in verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This church in Asia Minor, as we've seen over this year, as we've been studying 1 Peter, suffering tremendously, all kinds of persecution, all kinds of uh, challenges that they were going through. And Peter has been encouraging them by bringing up again and again certain themes that he intends to help them get through the tough times and to deal with this kind of spiritual exile that they are in. Amongst those, he has brought up uh, truth, the gospel, the example of Jesus, his own example, uh, future judgment, eternal rewards, and other things. All of them, putting them out there like, hey guys, you can with God's help, you can get through this. You can, you can honor the Lord in the midst of your exile. Now, we could stop there and say, well, apparently that's all that we need. All that we need are those kinds of things, and uh, we're all good. And then you get to chapter 5. And Peter writes about a whole nother category, a no, whole nother area that every Christian needs. There are some people who like to imagine that all that they need is the Bible and them. I got Jesus, I got my Bible, and I'm good. And they kind of live their uh, sort of cloistered uh, hermit Christian experience all by themselves, thinking that's all that they need in order to uh, become the Christians that God would have them to be. And chapter 5, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by the Apostle Paul, brings up another area that every single one of us needs. Every church needs leadership, and every Christian needs a soul shepherd, a pastor, an elder. It is only in a kind of individualistic society, a sort of me, I'm, a, I'm sufficient for myself society, where you would have Christians imagining that they can just kind of do it by themselves. But a sheep all alone is in a very precarious place. You don't see a lot of, in fact, I could even ask that question. Have you ever been sort of out in the wilderness, walking around, even just driving down the road and seen a sheep by itself? You don't. Sometimes they're the roadkill along the road, maybe. You say, oh, that one's by itself, but it's dead, right? So there's the life lesson in it right there. A sheep by itself is easy pickings, easy prey. You always see sheep in flocks, and you always see some kind of, now it might be the farmer in our society, but in the Middle East, you would see a shepherd always with that flock of sheep. That's just the way that God has made sheep to be. 
You know, oftentimes in, in movies, they'll have a kind of storyline where you have somebody that wants to be something that they're not, right? They're, they they want to be, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're made a certain way, but they want to be, you know, the, 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 the sheep that wants to be a lion or the sheep that wants to be a tiger uh, or something like that. But in the end of the story, you find generally the person discovers who they actually are and they're the happiest being who they are, right? And the same is true for for us, we can imagine ourselves to be, you know, spiritual giants, lions roaming the Serengeti all by myself. I don't need anybody else. But in reality, we're all sheep. And God has made us spiritually to flock with other sheep and to come under the leadership of shepherds. That's the way that spiritually regeneration and faith work and we can imagine otherwise but it's simply it's simply not the case so god has ordained leaders over the flock whom he calls elder overseer pastor shepherd and this is what we're going to explore more fully uh, today So what I'm going to say today is that for any sheep individually to be successful, it has to be in a flock under leadership, and that good shepherds will produce good sheep, and good sheep have a way of inspiring good shepherding as well, and that's what I want to talk about is this relationship between shepherds and sheep. I mean, if our whole church is really set up in that kind of a relationship, it's important that we understand how that's supposed to work. Because maybe you've been in a setting when, uh, you know, the, the, the sheep think they're the shepherds or the shepherds don't, are, are, you know, abstaining from their leadership role or something like that. It gets clunky, doesn't it? Churches get all wonky when People don't realize how it's supposed to work. Now, I brought up here, uh, by the way, just because I wanted to. This looks like a shepherd's crook, but it's, it's, it's actually a golf club, if you didn't know that. But, uh, no, it's a shepherd's staff. And uh, this was given to me when I uh, became the senior pastor of this church in 1997 by uh, my predecessor, Pastor Troyer. Had this made. It's got a little... A little plaque on there giving the the date and all of that and uh, I've had it in my office ever since hangs on the wall a little reminder of what role God has called me to now if you see somebody walking around here carrying this thing and beating the sheep and all of that you could say wait a second the sheep aren't supposed to carry the shepherd's staff it's the shepherd that carries the shepherd's staff does that illustration work I don't know I'm just kind of getting at the fact that she, People need to know what we're doing around here, right, and, and how that's supposed to work. So I want to talk about good shepherding, and I want to talk about good sheeping, okay? Good shepherding and good sheeping today. Now, the title Good Shepherd, taken from Jesus' own self-description, that he is the good shepherd. But notice in verse 4 here in 1 Peter 5 that Peter calls him not the good shepherd, but the what shepherd? He's the chief shepherd, He is the shepherd of the sheep. Shepherds, then, in a local church, are serving as deputized shepherds. We are under shepherds over the shepherd, the real shepherd of the church, that is Christ. 
Now, Jesus' shepherding is always absolutely perfect. He is the ultimate shepherd. Every quality of a good shepherd he has in perfection. Everything that a sheep needs, he finds, she finds in our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And so when you just want to talk about what does a good shepherd look like, we just simply look to Jesus' example and say, that's perfect shepherding right there, okay? Are we on the same page? Okay? We all love Jesus' shepherding, don't we? He is the good shepherd. Or as David wrote famously in Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd. I like to read Psalm 23. We typically look to it in times of trouble. But have we seen this as a description of what good shepherding looks like? Here, famous Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beautiful language. Is that not absolutely poetically, wonderfully language describing then the kind of shepherding soul care that Jesus provides to his sheep. And we see in this that the Lord provides for our needs. The Lord provides soul rest. The Lord provides sustenance. He leads us towards righteous living. He calms our fears in the day of trouble. His rod disciplines us. His staff guides us. He is a friend when enemies surround us. And the effect of his shepherding is the overflow of our faith. There is a, a, a fountain of resource that we find in the Lord that sustains us through our life. He is the perfect model. We look at Psalm 23 and we think, who wouldn't want a shepherd like that, right? Or if you're looking for a job description for the pastor over you, let's just got, find a guy that does that perfectly. So what does a shepherd do? I would describe two things primarily that a shepherd is called to do. A biblical, this is in any shepherd, but we're kind of focusing now on the under-shepherds in the local church. Shepherds are called, first of all, to lead the sheep. To lead the sheep. And we see that here, again, in 1 Peter 5, in verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And the, the grammar there, this is an imperative. It is a command. It's critical that elders are actually shepherding that they're not negligent in their responsibilities. Here are some other admonitions to elders about leading that we find in Scripture. Acts 10, or 20, Paul writes or says to the Ephesian elders, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Here now is uh, Paul writing to Titus, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. 
1 Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule well. Titus 1.7, he is God's steward. These and other passages emphasize the fact that in the local church, God has ordained that those that, prov- that provide leadership to the church are those that are the elders of the church. Overseers. What kind of oversight would they be called to give? Well, what kind of oversight does the chief, chief shepherd conduct? Well, was he a dictator? Was he an, was he an autocrat? Was he uh, you know, just sort of here to demand his things? It's hard to say that when we look at the life of Jesus, especially in the upper room in that scene where he takes up the basin and the towel and does what? Washes the feet of those that he's called that he, that he came to serve and famously says, even, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we see then that biblical shepherding and good shepherding in the church is a call to serve. It is servant leadership. Servant leadership. This is, of course, true any place the Bible calls for. Uh, for leadership. It is a call to serve those that you are leading. Think about in the home, for example. A husband who is given a place within marriage is called to serve his wife and to love her as Christ loved the church. Or you think about uh, a man in a similar role with a family. What is he called to do in the home? He is called to lead that home. How? As a dictator, as the king of the castle? No, he's called to serve them and to seek to meet their needs, to serve for their good. Which is why Paul says, if a man can't manage his own house well, how can he manage the household of God? Look at the smaller context and see if he is demonstrating qualities that show him to be a faithful shepherd in the home, and that's somebody who might have the qualities to be a faithful shepherd in the church. And so having authority in the church is not like being the president of the United States or the the leader of some country of some kind where everything flows to him. Rather, it it is to serve It is not about selfish ambition. It is not being driven to the limelight. It is not heavy-handed or dictatorial. It is to serve. And elders lead for the good of the flock, right? What does the flock need? What would best serve them? Just like Jesus' leadership for the church. And by the way, where did Jesus' leadership take him? How'd things work out for him? To the cross, right? The ultimate expression of servant leadership was Jesus hanging on the cross, dying for his flock. And that is why, when you you think about what is biblical shepherding, the focus of Scripture is way more on the character of the shepherd than on the gifts of the shepherd. We tend to be drawn to the gifts, don't we? He's so this, he's so that, he's so whatever. But scripture cares about the character and the integrity of the leader. I'm surprised by this when I read through, for example, 1 Timothy 3. Here's what the elder's life should look like, okay? Listen, 
This saying is true, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It is a good thing to be a leader in the church. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. And I don't have time to take this apart this morning. We've done so in the past. What I want you to see Uh, sheep regarding the kind of shepherd that you should be attracted to is the character of his life is what matters the most and you might say well why would that be the case I mean it seems like it ought to be his oratorical ability or his organizational ability or some other kind of uh, category that that is a benefit to the church obviously why the character of his Heart. And I think the reason is that Peter gives in this text is where he says that we are to give an example to the flock. There is something about sheep that the Holy Spirit and Peter know, and that is sheep are great at following examples. They may not be great at, you know, uh, exegesis, they, they may not read all of the biblical, theological, philosophical volumes that have been written over 2,000 years, they may not, you know, podcast every sermon by so-and-so, but sheep can follow an example. And the kind of example that Scripture calls the leader to, and for sheep to want to follow, is described for us here in terms of the integrity of his life. The character of him in the home, the kind of attitudes that he has or doesn't have, these are to be put before the church in terms of the leadership so that people can follow that example. So, lead the sheep, okay? Lead the sheep. The second thing good shepherds have to do is to love the sheep it's one thing to lead and there are many people that aspire to leadership it's a whole other thing to love the people you're called to lead and here I'd like to read the description that Jesus gives of himself as the good shepherd famously here John chapter 10 he says this I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. 
So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Lots of people like the thought of being in leadership in the local church. But what Jesus shows here is that there is a difference between those that will take a position or do something and those that are actually loving. And you can kind of tell when the, when the, when the wolf shows up, right? <laughs> Who's the shepherd when the wolf shows up? It's the one who sticks it out, fights for the sheep. And obviously Jesus here is he's using a metaphor to describe his mission. He has come here to die. God doesn't call very many shepherds of local churches to die for the sheep. And so in this way, his mission is unique. But the point is the same. The heart of the caring of the sheep is something that spiritual leaders have to have. And we, Jesus even emphasized this to Peter when he famously said to him, do you love me? And what did Peter say? Feed my sheep. Oh, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. <laughs> oh, but I love you, so it's okay. Um, Jesus said, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. Jesus' reply was, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Why would an under-shepherd, local church leader, love sheep who are at times difficult to lead like is it because the sheep are so inherently endearing and wonderful that the shepherd perseveres in his shepherding i don't think so there have been times in my years of ministry where i have wanted to quit where I have thought, this is not worth it. You know, you lay in bed, these thoughts come to you. I don't think very many pastors or elders stick it out if it's simply the, the, the wonderfulness of the sheep that is the only kind of motivation in that. I have found that in my times where it's more challenging to love the sheep, it is my love for Jesus that motivates the loving of the sheep. And that's the connection between what Jesus said and what Peter said. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And the shepherd, the under shepherd, realizes that this flock is somebody else's flock. And that Jesus loved his flock, laying down his life. So if you love somebody, you love what they love. And as a shepherd, to love Jesus means that you have to love the church. You have to love the church. And even, by the way, that's true for sheep. When sheep get all like, you know, down on the church and talking bad about the church or whatever, be careful because that's the church that Jesus died for. We need to love the church with all of its imperfections and all of its challenges and all of the things that, you know, go on whenever you get people together like this. We have to love the church for Jesus' sake. And the shepherd gets that, loves Christ and hangs in there in loving the church. And we need shepherds that love the sheep. So biblical shepherds lead the sheep, love the sheep. Now I want to talk with you about good sheeping. Okay? I want to talk with you about good sheeping. And I would dare say, I could be wrong, but I think I'm right, that there is a much higher bar of critique on, by sheep on shepherds 
than on their own sheeping. You've heard the old adage, right, of the family that they, they, they go home and they have the pastor for lunch every Sunday, right? His sermon, his idiosyncrasies, his failures and all of that, they have him for lunch. Well, did you know that the biblical shoe fits on the other foot too? Or in this case, hoof too. Sheep, shepherds have responsibilities, absolutely. Sheep have responsibilities. The Bible calls the sheep to certain actions and attitudes that are just as important as the responsibility of the good shepherd. You say, well, okay, well, like what? Well, let me give you a few. Here's 1 Thessalonians 5.12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Hebrews 13, 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And right here, 1 Peter 5, verse 5, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Okay, so what does good good sheeping look like? The primary responsibility of sheep is to follow the shepherds, okay? Follow the shepherds. This is like sheep being 101, right? You follow the shepherds. And the Hebrews passage here, I think is, it might be the best sort of like job description of of sheep. It describes that following in, with these two words, okay? Now don't throw anything at me. But here's the two words. You can look it up yourself. Obey and submit. Obey and submit. That's what it says. Now, is the hair on the back of your head sort of coming up? Like, or is, is the wool on the back of your neck sort of rising here? You're feeling a little heat under the woolly collar with that verse there? Why? Because naturally, we are not prone to wanting to follow people. We're more prone to say, who does he think he is? Or who do they think that they are? Why do they think, who, who put them in charge? Who made you king here on the, you know, the recess yard? We're not naturally inclined to, fo- we're naturally inclined to be self-sufficient. We're naturally inclined to sort of uh, be skeptical, right? So a verse like that comes along and the sheep are like, wait a second. I'm not sure I want to be a part of a flock where this is the responsibility of following human beings. Because let's admit it, it's one thing to say, I follow the good shepherd, I follow incarnate God. Most people, Christians, are comfortable saying that. But to follow a human being, to obey and to submit, if I can say it that way, that's what the Bible says, that is a much more difficult proposition so how does this work? Well, the way that this work, it works is when I believe in Jesus, I am submitting to his rule in my life. I am saying, you are the Lord of my life. I come under your authority. To become a Christian is to become a sheep and to become a part of a flock, a local church. You're baptized into the local church. And once you get into that flock, you discover that actually while Jesus is the chief shepherd, he's nowhere to be seen. That he has deputized, given authority to, under shepherds, 
who are actually the ones that are responsible for the leading and the loving of the sheep. And again, this is a challenge because we all love to think we're following Jesus. It's harder to think we're following a human being. In fact, guess what? The more you get to know the human being, the more you come to the conclusion they need the grace of God just like I do. You get close to any elder, any pastor, anywhere, and you are increasingly going to become convinced he's just like me. In fact, he might be worse than me. And indeed, that is the case, right? We're all sinners. There's nobody that inherently has the right to lead anybody in the church apart from the grace of God. We all need the gospel. Okay? And I think this is the challenge that is there for the sheep is to obey and to submit under shepherds who uh, are just like them. So how do we do this? How does this work? I think there's a reason that verse 5, the very next thing that Peter describes here, he says this, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Guess what? It takes humility to be a good shepherd. Why? Because you have to die to yourself to serve people and to serve sheep that oftentimes are challenging to lead. It's like, it's like uh, what, what's the saying? The, it's like uh, corralling cats or how are the, what's the saying there? You know, like, yeah, okay. If you want to know what it's like to be a pastor, get about seven cats together and try to lead them to a picnic, right? That's kind of what it feels like. And you're running around and all this and this is going off in this direction. How, how do I do this? That's kind of what it's like to be a, a pastor leader in the church. It takes humility to die to yourself and to serve people, to wash their feet and to love them. It takes humility for sheep to follow shepherds that are not Jesus. But as we all come under the gospel and recognize that I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, none of us deserve to be in the flock in the first place. I clothe myself with humility and I look at others as being more important than myself. And for the shepherd, that means dying to the needs of the sheep. And for the sheep, it means willingly and submit, uh, willingly coming under the leadership of the shepherds. And all of it is gospel humility. And that's why in churches where you get things going crazy like this and you walk, you walk through the foyer and you see all kinds of sheep walking around like this, He's a sheep, what's he doing carrying the shepherd's staff? Or you see shepherds walking around, and they got nothing. They got nothing in their hands. What has happened? The gospel and the humility that it ought to produce in our hearts and our lives is absent from the local church. And things get all crazy when sheep are shepherding and shepherds aren't shepherding. Did that make sense? I don't know if that was a good sentence or not. And maybe you've been in situations when absent leadership creates problems. Or maybe you've been in situations where proud sheep cause problems. And both of those are addressed right here. So shepherds humble themselves by serving the sheep. Sheep humble themselves by following the shepherd. 
And gospel humility allows all of this to work without it becoming toxic in the church or political. When it gets toxic and it gets political, something about what we're talking about here has gone desperately wrong. Now, I want to talk with you a moment about how this looks at Bethel Church, okay? How does this look at Bethel Church? And that's why we got this up here. So, obviously, who's the head of, the local, of this local church? It's all about him, baby, right there, okay? It is Jesus. But the way that this works here in our church is that we have elders here. who are called to shepherd the church. And uh, I could give you their names and all of that. Make sure you encourage your elders. But just like Jesus deputizes, gives authority to others, elders to lead, our elders have done the same. And we have uh, really three main sort of categories of additional sort of shepherding in the church. We have our campus elders. Right now some kids are going, he doesn't write very well. You're right. I never got good scores on my handwriting. But we have campus elders. We have a wonderful deacon ministry. Praise God for our deacons. And then we have the aspects of leading and shepherding provided by our staff, okay? Now, it doesn't stop here, though, okay? The purpose of these, Ephesians 4.12, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, right? And so, from their ministry here flows, then, That's you, okay? That's you. The equipping of the saints, or in this case, the saint, the sheep, to do the work of the ministry. The goal is not for these guys to be running around like with their heads cut off, trying to meet all the needs of the church. Then all you get is what they can do. When we unleash the power of the congregation and the spiritual gifts within the church, now the body is ministering to itself. And so fr from this then flows the congregation, which is called to be built up, to be loved, to be led. What this means, friends, is that if you need ministry, it's not only the ministry of an elder to you that counts, or it's not only the ministry of a campus elder or a deacon or a staff member that counts. Our job is to equip people to minister to people, sheep to minister to sheep, so that when somebody comes to you from your small group or from uh, you know, your, your small group leader or ministry that you're involved in, and they're the one, they minister to you in the hospital or they bring the meal to you or they come alongside you and love you, they're at the funeral, whatever it is, that is the body, that is Jesus ministering as these people are his hands and feet. You've heard of that, Okay. And this unleashes then the congregation to both minister and to be ministered to, and to see all of that as being the ministry of Jesus through his church to his flock. 
All right. Now, let me show you how this actually works, though. That's actually leadership in the church. When we recognize that the higher you are in the church, really the lower you are, right? This is a ministry of washing feet. And that is why leadership is taking up that basin and the towel. This is what keeps the church from being a hierarchy, from being a dictatorship, from some kind of a political entity. When the leaders of the church are loving and leading by serving the flock, the rest of the flock gets the idea that in the church, service is where it's at and that that is greatness in the eyes of God. Isn't that what Jesus said? In the kingdom of God, what does it mean to be great? To be the servant of all. And so we aspire to leadership, but we do so in a kind of descending way, which is a call then upwardly to minister to the congregation. And who then gets all the glory from all of this? He remains at the head. Okay? He remains at the head. So a shepherd's love and the sheep honor and follow the shepherds, the chief shepherd is pleased with his flock here at Bethel Church. And all the sheep said, Bah. <laughs> See, you're already forgetting your role. After this whole message, you've forgotten who you are. But that's health. And praise God for what we have of that happening now. And may God bring more of that as this just becomes increasingly the culture of our church. I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father God, Scripture talks about so many things, and it's so wonderful to teach on uh, David and Goliath, on uh, the Beatitudes, on eschatology and future things and prophecy. But right there in one of the main themes of Scripture is the nature of spiritual leadership. We thank you for the example of Christ. And God, I pray that you would, in my life and in the lives of our leaders, increasingly create the likeness of Jesus in the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we love and lead the sheep. And Father, I pray that the sheep this wonderful flock and church would be increasingly uh, ministered to and ministering that the church might be built up. And all this, Lord, for the glory of Jesus. He is the head of the church. He is the chief shepherd. He is the Savior, Redeemer, Lord, and friend of the church. And I pray that our local church would truly be for his glory. So to this we pray, in the great name of Jesus, our shepherd, amen, and amen.